When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side or the right, right side. Good afternoon, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side with Cat and Paul. And our special guest here, James Johnson, Sports Grind Don. Be sure to join him. Uh, and follow him as well on Twitter. We're going to take a look at the Jaguar sideline here today. Um, you can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, the finfanatic.com website, the fan sided network, all of our social media outlets as well for year round Dolphins coverage. James, uh, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be a part of the podcast again. Absolutely. And uh, so, James, uh, tell us a little bit more about what you've got going on and what the best way is to find you. Yeah, so um, I'm the managing editor for the Jaguars Wire with USA Today. That's jaguarswire.usatoday.com. And uh, Phil and I, who uh, we had on last year with you guys, if I can recall, Phil came on with me. Uh, me and him co-host together the Believe in Jaguars podcast with the Believe Podcast Network. They're based in like Los Angeles. So we those are my two major outlets in terms of, you know, Jags news and, and what have you. I, I stick to more like of my personal takes on the podcast and then unbiased takes more so on the site. But uh yeah, you can also follow me at sportsground underscore Don on Twitter for, you know, any of the latest Jags news too. You bet. And it's a pretty rough situation here with Really, both of our teams. You know, I think there was a lot of optimism five, six weeks ago. The Jaguars got Urban Meyer as head coach in the offseason, spent the first overall pick on Trevor Lawrence. The Dolphins, you know, won, win 10 games last year. We expected a lot more with a Tua at quarterback, who will be back this week uh, if everything works out here for this game in London on Sunday morning, bright and early. So, elephant in the room here, James. Um, when we talked last year, the Jaguars were one and one. We had a Thursday night game. Dolphins won that 31 to 13. And the Jaguars haven't won since then. They've lost 20 straight games here. Um, but not all reason for pessimism. They've got good players on their roster. You know, what's kind of the feeling um, with the Jaguars right now and Urban Meyer and, and Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, well, from the fans' perspective, they just simply want to win. And, you know, we aren't where we, even though some of us, especially in the journalism world, were realistic about what the Jags' end result would be in terms of a record, I don't think you would find many journalists, for the most part, that would say that we're going to win more than six games if that. Uh, but still, nonetheless, uh, the start that they've gotten off to hasn't been great. Even, you know, even if you had lower expectations than the six or five wins or so, you know, they go into that Texans game and, you know, they didn't win that one. That was one they were favored to win. But in terms of Trevor Lawrence and, and, and Urban Meyer, I guess I'll start with Trevor Lawrence. He is progressing game by game and the game is uh, slowing down for him. 
And, you know, as Jazz fans were loving it because he, I mean, even in the beginning stages in week one, he was making throws that, albeit a lot of people were stuck on the, you know, the national guys were stuck on the three interceptions and the interceptions he was throwing in those first three games in general. Uh, but nonetheless, like he was making throws that we haven't seen in Jacksonville since Mark Brunel, if at all. And uh-huh. then, you know, when we got to that Bengals game, it really started to click and slow down. And, you know, he's still processing some stuff slow, you know, at, at times. But that Bengals game, you know, no turnovers. Uh, he made some beautiful throws there. Uh, and then, you know, the last few games as well, he's been able to do that. So it's really starting to slow down. And he is doing his part in terms of learning the, gr- the game gradually. Uh, it's just the, you know, other stuff around him that may be holding him back, the injuries. Uh, like you said, Urban Meyer hasn't done him any favors. I guess we'll get into him real quick. You know, Urban Meyer is a guy who it looks like the NFL game is overwhelming him. If you ask me, uh, it's much more. It's a lot of I need to relay to my coordinators on this and that much too more uh, much. I guess I would say too much of that. Is how I'm trying to put it in my book when he's supposed to be the head guy and he's supposed to be a micromanager. And it just it appears like he's in over his head right now. So we'll see if he can figure it out and and get it together. But, um, you know, right now, the early looks aren't that great on his end of the deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said about Trevor Lawrence and and the Jaguars here, um, watch that Thursday night game. They got off to a 14 to nothing lead. Bengals came back and won 27 to 24 when it was first round pick Joe Burrow against uh, this year's first round pick Trevor Lawrence. Then this past week, they lose 37 to 19 to the Titans. But at one point there, you know, uh, the Jaguars looked like they were going to bring it in the fourth quarter to within a touchdown. They get stopped on fourth and one. Jab Titans get the ball back. They end up pulling away with that one. So, you know, it, it hasn't they've been competitive, which is something. I really can't say a lot for how the Dolphins have looked over the last four games, especially most of the time. So, but moving on past Trevor Lawrence here, who on the season 104 for 175 or 104 or 104 completions and 175 attempts, 59.4% completion percentage for our listeners, um, 1146 passing yards, six touchdowns, eight interceptions, quarterback rating of 71.3. Obviously, that's skewed a lot by the interceptions he had in the first couple of games. Um, but in the backfield, probably, in my opinion, one of the most more underrated offensive players in the game, James Robinson at running back. I mean, you don't really hear a lot about him in the in the you know the media because you know the Jaguars haven't won in a long time, but last year he had in 14 games, he had 1,414 total yards this year. He's got 475 total yards in five games. So you're talking about in two years, almost a hundred total yards per game. Um, Since, since the beginning of the 2020 season after being undrafted out out of Illinois state. Um, So that, that I think is going to be a big matchup here. James Robinson against a Dolphins run defense that is struggling. That's absolutely correct. Uh, Because what this season has boiled down to in terms of, uh, you know, helping Trevor Lawrence cut down on the interceptions, right. Was utilizing James Robinson more. 
And the argument could be made. It was no argument in it. He he still needs to be utilized more. He still has yet to register over 18 carries this whole season. But in the first two games, he only had 16 carries. And as you just threw out in those statistics, he's a guy last year that you cannot give him the ball just 16 times in the first two games and, uh, you know, kind of just weed him out of the game plan like that. He's the key to essentially helping your franchise quarterback get stuff together, which we've seen in the last two to three games. Right. So even with that being the case, even with him getting 18 carries, uh, you know, we, me and Phil have argued and many of the fans have argued that's a guy that needs to touch the ball 23, 24 times a game, you know. And I don't know if it's because Carlos Hyde is getting in the way of that. He's the number two guy. He has ties to Urban Meyer from Ohio State, whatever the case may be. Uh, but he is, as you said, one of the more underrated players in, in football. He was ranked number 100 on the NFL top 100s list, the one that's done by the players. So, you know, the players are well aware of him. And, uh, you know, the, it's only going to go up for him if the Jaguars allow him to get the touches that he needs to get. Because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, they have a lot of good skill guys there, but none of them should be getting the ball more than James Robinson. Absolutely. Uh, James Robinson, 5.8 yards per carry this year, four touchdowns. I mean, yeah, I think it's criminal he hasn't gotten the ball more than more than 16 times, uh, especially with home, how much Trevor Lawrence has thrown the ball this year. Uh, at the wide receiver position, they lose DJ Chark for the season, or excuse me, they put him on injured reserve. You could probably talk about more of how long he's, how much time he's going to miss than I can, but still a, a pretty good tandem there with Marvin Jones, the second who they signed from the Lions this offseason, and LaVisca Chenault, who uh, can be a terror after the catch if you give him the ball in space. Yeah, this again, going back to what I was saying, they have the skill guys for sure. And uh, on, in, in terms of Chark, I guess I'll start with him. They've been kind of quiet on his situation since he's been injured. Uh, but he is. We did see this on Instagram. Him and Travis Etienne, they call themselves the scooter game. They're both on scooters right now. So, <laughs> I mean, not to like make fun of them, but like they, they're making light of a situation that, you know, that that had fans down initially because both of those were speed threats for the team. So, I mean, it's just good to see those two in high spirits and, uh, you know, ready to return to football whenever that is. So we really don't know when Shark is going uh, is coming back because the injury, you know, like it seemed like he would be out for the season, but none of us are doctors necessarily. But I mean, just based off of, you know, breaking your ankle, it's like, yeah, I don't think you're coming back for the season, but they put him on IR and they didn't end the season. So it's up in the air. I guess we'll know in two more weeks because that'll be the IR period where they'll probably revisit things and give more information on that. End. Uh, but yeah, in terms of uh, LaVisca and uh, Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah, Marvin Jones Jr. is a guy that they picked up in free agency, as you said, because he had ties with Daryl Belville, the offensive coordinator. They worked together in Detroit, obviously, for two years. So he knows his offense better than anybody. He came into training camp knowing his offense better than anybody, and it showed. He was uh, Trevor Lawrence's favorite target in training camp. Uh, so that's starting to translate to the field. You know, sometimes he's not necessarily the best separator or whatever the case may be. He's more of the crafty guy, in my opinion, in terms of his his route running ability. But he can separate on at, at times. But if you're depending on him to be your number one guy and your top separator, uh, you're probably in some trouble there, but he is a guy that can get you a lot of uh, action in the end zone. 
This guy had like nine touchdowns in three of the last four years. So that's that's his deal. And then, as you said, LaVisca Chenault, great after the catch. I mean, for crying out loud, they played him at running back last year at times. So, I mean, and that was what he kind of did at, at Colorado. You know, he was a gadget guy. They could put him at running back. They can put him on the outside. They could put him in the slot. Uh, but this year, they came into the season wanting to utilize him in the slot, of course, and nothing more. However, Chart got injured, so now he's going to probably have to play more on the perimeter. And it, it might take him a little time to get acclimated to playing on the perimeter as opposed to the slot. Uh, but nonetheless, he is a very, very monstrous player after the catch hard to bring down. He tried to sun the whole Titans defense on one play. I don't know if y'all seen that. I saw that. Yeah, that was toward the end yeah. of the game. I saw he uh, it was like a 50 yard catch and he broke about six tackles. And that's, yeah, like you said, kind of a, a wide receiver and a running back's body um, right. after the catch. And and that'll be an interesting matchup. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones going up against. Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault on the outside. Uh, you know, if Chark were in there too, would be something that certainly would have benefited uh, the Jaguars even more. Uh, one thing I'm curious about too, James, uh, you, uh, the Jaguars offensive line, you know, they, they spent uh, second round pick on Cam Robinson in, in 2016 or excuse me, 2017. And then a few years ago, draft Juwan Taylor at the right tackle spot at center. Brandon Linder's been very solid for them, but he's gone on injured reserve. Tyler Shatley looks like he's going to take his place. You know, from a distance, it looks like this is a unit that the Jaguars have struggled with. How how have they done here in the first five games? Yeah, well, in my opinion, they've been serviceable, you know, and Trevor Lawrence hasn't necessarily got hit or or been sacked a lot. I, I'll have to look up the number uh, because I, I stopped counting uh this week uh, but he hasn't been necessarily hit a lot now in the preseason it looked like it would be an issue like if you watch the Jags in the preseason they literally I think they had two to three preseason games people would turn on the game and be like oh man I feel for Trevor Lawrence's life the key was though they never had the full five star in offensive lineman you know and as you said that's going to be the case in this game in the international game Tyler Shatley stepping in who I mean you know Nobody's exactly sitting around in the NFL with a great backup center, but I guess you could say he might be the best backup center you'll find for uh, the NFL. He has plenty of experience, at least in my opinion, at least what over 11 games, 11 starts that he's been in. So that's probably a season as a, a center you're going to find as a backup as number two. Uh, so, you know, but that is a that area in this game in particular in terms of running the ball is where I'm concerned is that Tyler Shatley versus Christian Wilkins matchup. Uh, I highlighted that in the newspaper with USA Today, if anybody want to get that off the shelf. But um, yeah, like that, that matchup could cause problems because if they can't get James Robinson going and he's beating Wilkins is beating Tyler Shatley, then the Jaguars are going to have to resort to using their receivers more than they would like to. And again, like I said, these guys are good skill guys, but not necessarily the best separators. And as you uh -huh. said, on the opposite end, you guys have Xavier Howard, you know, and, and guys of that magnitude. So that could cause some issues, uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, maybe they'll resort to, uh, you know, they got a new tight end. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh, but they got a new tight end that they've been getting the ball to a lot as well. Yeah, Dan, Dan Arnold uh, was traded for the Jaguars, traded C.J. Henderson and received a third-round pick and tight end Dan Arnold receiving tight end 
from the Panthers. It was actually just with them for a few games. It was with the Cardinals last year. You know, it seems like they've got, they're trying to collect all the undrafted free agent tight ends that they can here. Uh, well, James O'Shaughnessy, um, Chris Manhurts, uh, who went to Ohio State, a uh, former Urban Meyer pupil. Uh, who, who do you see? Be, do you see Dan Arnold being on the field the most there at the tight end spot? Yeah, despite him being there for three weeks, I think so. They're working him in there slowly, but surely the first game he didn't see a bunch of snaps that he was there. Um, and then that was the Bengals game, of course. And then our last game, he saw a significant amount of snaps despite it being his second week. And then this week, yeah, he'll, they'll probably even up it even more if they can. Because, I mean, like, legit, he is he's one of the best threats on the team. And we're a little bit shocked because, like, you know, he was just stashed away on the Panthers team as number two. You know, and he really never I mean, like he flashed as a receiver at times with the other teams he was with, like the Cardinals. But he was never that guy. So for us to, you know, immediately see something out of him in that Thursday night game that you you referred to, especially after the catch. That's what shocked us all, because we're used to these kind of slower tight ends. But when we saw what he could do after the catch, it was like, oh, man, like, I don't think we've seen this kind of speed at tight end ever since uh, <laughs> since Marcel, yeah. even with Marcus Lewis. He he wasn't that he wasn't a guy that would break away from you. He was crafty. Uh, so we haven't seen that kind of speed since maybe even Julius Thomas, if you want to throw him in there, he wasn't really available. But Julius Thomas, you know, when he was there for the few games he was. And it, you know what? Like, he's the X factor in this game. It's Dan Arnold. Uh, yeah. He could be the guy that causes trouble for the Dolphins. Yeah. And I did notice a, a speed upgrade when when uh, Arnold got in there watching the last couple of games. Um, he caught two passes in a row quickly for about 30 yards against the Bengals. Didn't really use them the rest of the game. And I, th I think they should get him a little bit more involved. Um, but yeah, Merce, yeah, you talk about Julius Thomas. Yeah, we, we're familiar with Julius Thomas too. He was, I mean, he was, he was terrible here. I can tell you that. Uh, I, with the I know he was a little disappointing for the Jaguars, if I remember correctly. He was terrible here. The Dolphins got him. They got Jordan Cameron. They couldn't, they couldn't get a tight end right for five, six years here. Um, <laughs> the, but um, uh, James, on the defensive side of the ball, um, uh, Jaguars draft Josh Allen, seventh overall a couple of years ago. He should be lined up against the Liam Eikenberg. That, that's really the, the matchup I'm worried about there at that position. PFF graded him higher than 85 last week uh, in, in the, their loss to the Titans. Um, playing more of that 3-4 outside linebacker role compared to the 4-3 DN position that he was drafted to play, it seems like. Um, how, how is he progressing there uh, as, as uh, he continues to emerge with the Jags? Yeah, this the the transition to the 34 has helped him and I guess you could say Chase on a little bit more specifically because that's what they did when they were in college in the SEC with Kentucky and LSU. Uh but at the same time, we still understand that Josh Allen and Calevon are probably two guys that need that guy next to them. Like they they are good complementary pieces, but at the same time, and I know that yeah, like you said, he got a Pretty high mark on PFF, by the way, which I think that was his highest of the year. And now he's in the 70 range in terms of his overall grades. So, which I mean, that that basically, if you call on all grade seven, 
that's basically what Josh Allen is. He's a guy that needs a, a he needs a Calais Campbell next to him, which he had, you know, or Yannick Ngakwe, which he had and we no longer have. And it's starting to show. Uh, but that being said, I mean, he he's, uh, you know, off to a way better start than he was last year under Todd Wash's 4-3 defense, which, you know, that just disappointed us because, you know, we wanted to see our number one pick, you know, from 2019 used in the right way and in the right scheme and what have you. And now they're finally doing that. Uh, but it's just a matter of, you know, in the future, getting that guy next to him. But he's off to a better start. I think he has 2.5 sacks. And, uh, you know, like we, we could definitely live with that as opposed to what we were seeing when he was underutilized or utilized the wrong way last year. Sure, sure. And speaking of players next to Josh Allen and Caleb on Jason, it looks like Miles Jack uh, is going to miss this game if if the reports are correct here, you know, got injured, believe it was a toe injury in the last game. Is that what you're hearing too? And if that's the case, how do you think that's going to impact the defense? Yeah, well, I'll wait till the injury report comes out today and, you know, kind of make my own judgment on it on whatever the case may be, which we probably should wait till Friday to see, but uh, it was an oblique injury. Uh, and I mean, just I guess what I can speak on is when he came out the field, he was in a lot of pain. That's for sure. Uh, and uh, you could tell like he he really, you know, tweaked it or got hit on it or whatever the case may be real hard because, um, you know, like he went to the sideline and literally literally had to sit down or kneel down or whatever the case may be. So uh, when you see that kind of thing, you know, like you hope it's not catastrophic, which it doesn't seem to be catastrophic. Uh, but at the same time, like it could be something that could hold you out for weeks or, you know, maybe initially ruled it as a back. And then Urban Meyer came back on Monday and corrected it and said it was really the oblique. So we'll see how he's done. Got it. Got it. And yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's looking at this, looking at this Jaguars defense here. I mean, a couple of years ago, they had. Jalen Ramsey, Clayus Campbell, a lot of big time names, and they kind of did a, a Dolphin style rebuild. You know, getting some some younger, faster players, really putting a lot of emphasis in draft picks. Obviously, you know, the C.J. Henderson pick was a big disappointment at cornerback. They did sign Sha- Shaq Griffin in the offseason. Here looks like they're going to get their second round pick, Tyson Campbell, back this game. Again, I'm making another injury projection there. We are recording this on Wednesday. Um, and then they've got a, a, a lot of other guys like Chris Claybrooks and, and Trey Herndon there at the cornerback spot. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the secondary here. And, and, you know, I, I, I know it's, they're, 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 they're going after a lot of try hard guys here at, at, at the defensive back position. Yeah. Flat out. It might be the, the biggest weakness on the team, in my opinion, uh, and and the thing is, it, I think what it boils down to is like behind Shaq Griffin and maybe you can make the argument for Tyson Campbell, who is a rookie that's learning his way and he's really struggling. I'll have to see where he ranks in terms of PFF, in terms of rookie cornerbacks, but I don't think it's that high uh, because he is really, really struggling to get, uh, you know, the, the whole NFL game down. And I, look, this coming from a UGA fan. Um I wasn't the highest on that pick as a UGA fan, as odd as that sounds. Uh, but behind Griffin, and Griffin to me is more of a kind of a mid-tier guy. But if you have, again, going back to what I was saying in the previous question, if you have that guy at pass rusher, Griffin could be a, a, a Pro Bowl type of, you know, 
cornerback if you know the pass rush is there and you know they got a Calais Campbell up there and a Yannick and got uh with Josh Allen uh but nonetheless though yeah behind Griffin man it's real suspect and specifically Trey Herndon and Chris Claybrooks are guys that I don't think would be playing cornerback on any other teams except for some bottom tier teams like the Jaguars maybe but like in these you know these, these even like these eight and eight teams I don't think those guys make the team as cornerbacks with uh, you know, those type of teams, in my opinion. Now, look, Clay Brooks, more so a special teams guy, in my opinion. That's what they, you know, when they drafted him, that was what his highlights were. You know, special teams speak or do runs like a 4-3-2 or something like that. Uh, but, you know, he's a seven-round pick from, you know, and no disrespect to Memphis. I love what they've done over there with that program. But he's a seven-round pick from Memphis that you're trying to put it in uh, – up against the top three receivers on each respective NFL team that you played. And that's just not working out. Trey Herndon was undrafted, uh, a guy that they've tried to make the guy in. They really like the analytics that they got off of him in terms of when he went undrafted and they got him in the draft. But he, you know, he is a guy that doesn't probably make a lot of teams in the NFL. So they're in trouble there. They need to figure out something there. Me and Phil have argued they might need to even make a trade there before the trade deadline and get a guy. Um, and, and that's not to say moving on from C.J. Henderson was necessarily the wrong thing either because he wasn't necessarily available. I think he missed 10 to 12 games or something it was. So he wasn't available to help him. And, I mean, I can understand trading him, albeit you don't want to move on from a first-round pick that quick. Yeah, Tyson Campbell, uh, you've seen – you watch more Georgia football than I do. I'm sure uh, I always, when I watched him and Eric Stokes and I watched quite a few games of them last year with Georgia, I, I always thought Campbell is somebody who looked the part. He's got the length, he's got the speed, but never could quite put it all together. I, there was one game last year. I don't mean to bring up bad memories for you, but I think it was against Alabama where he let up, I think 150 yards or something. And, yeah, he uh, he never could quite put it all together, but he certainly does look the part. So, but he does look like he's more in the devel- developmental stage right now. I would agree. I I would agree. Um, and you know, his biggest thing is just you know, and for some reason, I don't know what it is about some of the DBs that come from Georgia. And again, I don't like the not the, the uh, organization of Georgia or the football program there because I love and they're playing great football right now, by the way. But it is, I mean, well, you know what? I can't knock them for this because it's a it's a universal thing. Me and Phil literally talked about this last on the last podcast. A lot of these guys in the uh the, the college in the division one of these elite programs aren't aside from maybe Alabama, aren't really getting their players ready for the NFL. That's what it boils sure. down to. Even at the most important position on the field, you can argue they're not getting these quarterbacks ready to play in the NFL. I mean, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence, of course, is an exemption because Trevor Lawrence can do everything. He can play any game you want him to play and be good at it. Like, he's, he might be literally the chosen one. He He's good at trouble. He's good at monopoly. It don't matter. You know, he translates to anything. But a lot of these other quarterbacks, you can tell that they aren't being prepped for the NFL when they're in college. You're seeing it now with how these rookie quarterbacks are struggling and so on and so forth. So it's a universal thing. Like they're not getting these guys ready for the league. And with Tyson Campbell, it was a matter. He's not doing things as simple as finding the ball when it's in the air. And when Kirby Smart is your coach, you have to ask yourself, how is that possible? How is that even a thing? A defensive backs coach, a, a former safety himself. But, you know, that's where we're at with the college game. And I mean, it's starting to show. 
I agree. I agree. They, they certainly, you know, you take a look at Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Yeah, they really haven't hit the ground running, and that's just the reality of it. Um, one question I had, we had from our chat here uh, from Grandizer12 here that I'll, I'll edit just a little bit. You know, we've talked about Lawrence. We've talked about uh, Tyson Campbell. They lost Travis Etienne for the year. Who are a few other rookies that, that have impressed you for the Jaguars so far this year? Well, this boils down to management and them not utilizing the people, the the draft picks that they have. Uh, but that's the problem; they haven't used a lot of their draft picks. They're not making. A lot <laughs> I didn't of think guys. so. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, the the only two you know you're really seeing a lot of is, of course, Lawrence and and Campbell. Uh, and then you know they had they got Walker Little with the pick they traded for one of the picks they traded for Yannick Ngakwe, who was an offensive tackle from Stanford. He looked really good in training camp. Uh, but the problem is they franchise had Cam Robinson. So, like, what are the chances he's going to get on the field? Unless, you know, bearing an injury. If an injury happens, he'll get on the field. We'll get to see what he can do. Um, The other guy, I mean, like, I can only speak on these guys standing out in training camp because they're not putting them in the games. But Andre Sisco, safety from Syracuse. He's a guy we've long been lobbying to get on the field. I mean, you just, ex- we just basically spoke on the secondary issues. You know, it's hard to imagine why he's not getting on the field more. Uh, albeit, you know, Andrew Winger, he gets a lot of grief, but he's played better than some people believe he has. But still, like Rayshon Jenkins, who they paid a lot of money to in, in free agency, a starter for the team. Um, maybe Cisco should be playing in his place. I know they paid him a lot of money, but Cisco could probably do a better job than him just based off of what we've seen so far. He's kind of be, been average to below average. Uh, so, you know, people are concerned about him not getting any time. And the last one I think I could really speak on, J2 fell. He finally got in the game this, uh, what was it, last Sunday? It was his first game. They made him active. He actually registered a positive PFF grade. And this is a defensive tackle from USC. Mm-hmm. He, re- he registered a positive PFF grade in pass rushing and in general, I think. But his pass rush grade was like a 75 or something. And that's something to watch is, you know, can he, because they need help with that pass rush. Uh, do they continue to put him in games and does he continue to help them there? He could be one of the uh, one or one of the more underrated guys in this class. Certainly. Thank you for fielding that question there, uh, James. And uh, so, yeah, we've talked to th- about the Jaguars roster, great breakdown there position by position. You know, it looks like really the, the Dolphins receiving tandem here. They'll be without Will Fuller, but Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker going up against that secondary is certainly one the Dolphins need to win uh, if, if they're going to move the ball through the air. And for the Jaguars, a big matchup advantage they have with how well he's played going up against the Dolphins' run defense. They're averaging just over 5.3 yards a carry to opposing starting running backs here this year. But uh, what is your score prediction for the Jaguars versus Dolphins this Sunday in London? Yeah, I went with the uh, shootout, actually. And this Hmm. may be, well, since the Texans game, this may be the first one I've chosen in the USA Today actual weekly paper that I've gone with the Jags and I went with the Jags only because the Dolphins defense is ranked 26 overall. And you kind of shed some light on that just now, but uh, this is probably one of the uh, more struggling defenses they'll face. And that being said, like maybe, you know, the London magic rubs off on them because at times they have played really good at London and at times they play really bad. It's it's like Thursday night football for them. You never know Mm -hmm. what you're going to get. 
them. You're going to either get really bad or really good. So I think this will be a game where they play really good and it's a shootout. And I think I went with like 28 to 31, something like that, you know, or like it might have been 31, 34 or something along those lines. Uh, but I'm expecting a high one. And, and I went with the Jags surprisingly for the first time since week one in this one. Dolphins favored by three and a half points right now, but a lot of people are picking the Jaguars here. And and I think a lot of people feel Trevor Lawrence is due for a big game and Urban Meyer needs something in the win column, given, you know, kind of what's been said about him over the last couple of weeks. James Johnson, thank you for joining us here. Be sure to join Sports Grind Don on Twitter, as well as the Jaguars Wire with the USA Today. I'm Brian Cat NFL. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, um, the finfanatic.com website, and all of our other social media outlets as well. Sunday morning in London. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.